Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. Get ready for a special edition of Beyond Autistic Burnout today. We're diving into the future of job searching for ADHD autistic professionals. Our guest, Jennifer Williams, brings over 15 years of experience in the higher education industry to show us how AI and chat GPT can transform your employment search. Stay tuned for this enlightening conversation that may be exactly what you've been looking for to decrease stress, make tailoring your applications and cover letters easier, and so much more. Don't miss out on the next wave of job searching with AI. Stay tuned. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout, the talk show designed to empower ADHD autistic professionals like you to thrive in your career, life, and beyond. I'm Carol Jean Whittington, an ADHD autistic business professional who's not just surviving, but thriving after decades in burnout. And I'm thrilled to have you here with us. Each episode, I'll be joined by an inspiring guest as we dive deep into transformative strategies and insights. We'll show you how to break free from burnout, ignite sustainable energy, and embrace your authentic self. Together, we'll navigate career challenges, nurture relationships, and excel in every aspect of life. It's time to fuel your success and embark on a journey of empowerment. Let's take this incredible journey together. Get ready to be an authentic leader and unleash sustainable energy in your life. Welcome to Beyond Autistic Burnout. Let's start thriving. I am so excited to be here with our guest today. We have a fantastic show planned. Please give me and my guest a warm welcome. Let's join Jennifer Williams, a seasoned expert in higher education and AI-driven job searches. Jennifer, we are so thrilled to have you here with us today, my friend. Oh my goodness, I am tickled to death to have you. It's great to see you again. We have all kinds of amazing things to talk about today because when we did a show back in August around AI and job searches, you said, Carol Jean, holy cow, why didn't you say something? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it didn't dawn on me because I didn't think about all of the amazing things that you do with AI and all of the incredible things that you've done within education. I hadn't thought about how it applied to the job field. And you were so sweet to reach out because this really is a big deal. And I love your beautiful brain. So the fact that you're here and sharing all of your insights and expertise, oh my gosh, because guys, back in 1999, this incredibly brilliant <laughs> and ingenious, innovative woman was already looking at how AI and information technology in general was going to impact education. And she's doing it today and every day. And I love, love, love that you're here talking with us, Jennifer. Thank you so much. So Jennifer, I know that we've had some conversations and you've mentioned that AI can be a total game changer in employment searches by effectively helping to combat some of the ATS things that we, we feel like we're running up against and improving the cover letter writing process. Because, you know, we get told all the time, oh, gosh, you need to have a tailored cover letter for all of your applications or resumes where they're asking for one. So could you share some insights on how people can harness AI for a more effective job search and how we can use it to do those tailored letter writing for cover letters? 
Yes. So I work um, for National Labor and Industry at a project in the Northwest region of Pennsylvania. And there are a bunch of uh, different uh, talent engagement facilitators that work with people that come in every day to write cover letters and develop their resumes. And when AI technology sort of just came out last year, we, we were really sort of like looking at how can we use this to make everything easier? So um, the individuals that I worked with were already like teaching, um, you know, any participants that came in uh, how to write their resumes and how to write cover letters. But they spent a lot of time like in doing it, you know, gathering the information, then putting it together for everyone. And when AI came out and we saw how proficient it could be, we, we really kind of looked at, well, let's let's ask AI to do this, right? And then I started reading a lot of research um, that sort of surrounded the fact that ATS systems are technology that keep us back sometimes because of those keywords. But when you're utilizing AI, AI understands those keywords and it knows when to use them. So AI is also a really great tool to kind of like ask for something specific. So for example, um, you might have someone that maybe works in the military and they have military titles, military background. Well, we would normally work with them um, and send them to ONET to find, you know, what their title was and how it's transferable into skills um, in civilian uh, life. And all of those steps, we would go out, we'd find that information, then we'd collect it and we'd put it all together and wrap it for them. AI can do that faster. ChatGPT can do that faster. So essentially, um, my team still does that same process to help, you know, collect the information from ONET, but then it utilizes the tool to put it all together. And then my, my um, staff are able to sit and work with individuals one-on-one -on -one to edit what AI has done, because that is the one caveat to this. Like when you utilize tools like ChatGPT, um, it's very important to read what it gives you, <laughs> not let me copy and paste. It's done, you know, it, to, to actually <laughs> read it and make sure that it makes sense and that it, 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 it's utilizing everything that you want in there. And then you can further develop it and make it even better, but it's already using like really amazing articulate language and it can save a bunch of time too. Cause as you mentioned at the beginning, um, the expectation is sometimes you have to put out a lot of different cover letters with each different unique resume. Um, so it's something that can really kind of help keep you organized with that. If you write a really great cover letter for one role and then you're applying for a different role, you can have it, you know, to, to recycle what you need the pieces of and then add different pieces that you want to highlight. And you can actually ask it to do that for you. So you can input, you know, prompts that say refer to this this example and now make it applicable for this job description and actually pull the job description off of whatever job you're looking for and then you're writing a targeted message directly too and whereas it's kind of cutting out that part of the creator and I know that that's something myself I kind of struggle with. I have to be in the right mindset to be able to write or especially to talk about myself for, a, you know, a job. So um, it sort of eliminates that and removes that as a barrier. And then you're just editing and, and it makes it easier.
Okay, so we're going to have some girlfriend talk here. <laughs> Jen and I do girlfriend talks. So we're going to have some girlfriend talk here. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you, Jen, how many times like myself, and I know you have also kind of shared the process in your experience as well, but so many folks in the Mind Your Autistic Brain community, especially with a lot of the layoffs and job changes lately, it's, Carol Jane, how do I not get burned out in the job search process? Because like the whole process alone is burning me out. And, you know, you have just touched on two of the things that some of our guests have, have brought up. So like, guys, like the genius that is Jen just totally <laughs> solidified this. So if you didn't listen to what Scott Burkhead said, and you didn't listen to what Jordan Carmack said back in August about using chat GPT, but also infusing your own self within it so that you do have that connection and authenticity. And Scott was saying, hey, you take the job um, resumes and you take those tasks and you look for what's the problem I'm solving. And now Jennifer's just really giving me those applicable tools to go, okay, this is how I use it. This is how you also like decrease that executive function demand, those cognitive loads. Because I don't know about you, Jen, but like you said, I, it's kind of hard for me to talk about myself like that. And it's like, I don't, sometimes it's like, I've got all the words in my head and I know it's too much and it right. needs to be more clean and concise. And that's another piece that I just absolutely love about chat GPT right now is that, you know, it can give you a really lengthy cover letter and you're like, I like that. But you can say, you know what, can you make that like, more clear and concise, please, and give it that prompt. And it's all of a sudden, and, and honestly, that I've even utilized that a little bit for working on different writing projects that I've done with myself. I've written what I want to say, and then I've put it in there and say, can you make this a little more clear and concise for me? And it does it. <laughs> and it does it in seconds. And you're just like, this is so beautiful. It's such mastery because... It was what you wanted to say, but you weren't really able to get it out. Like you had it in too much, too many words. You're like, oh, this should be like a paragraph. And I've got, you know, three paragraphs. How do I fix that? And it just has this way of, of making it so much easier. And honestly, totally reduces that, that executive. Cause I go through that too. So often, like, I'm just like, how can I say this a different way again? And it just, it, it removes that. It's great. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is it's so good. And that's just an excellent way to also look at, you know, how am I managing my energy as I'm going through this process? Because guys, I just, I want to send out some, some compassion and some understanding and some, you know, just some love right now, because the job search market is not easy. I mean, on average, we back in August, it was saying, you know, five months on average for somebody to go from, from their first step yep. out the door to an offer. And what are yeah, you guys? Yeah, I, I saw the fastest turnaround was sort of three months. Yeah. And when and the you, average being five, when you wow. think about that, um, so when you think that most families and most people in jobs can't, they live paycheck to paycheck. And you start to process that, oh my gosh, it takes three to five months to get a new job, how set back they are. So um, when I was in my job search, um, I, I guess it was about 15 months ago or so before I was at my current role, um, it, was, it was very difficult to find the energy because I was working 
part-time temp work to be able to have income because I couldn't go without income, but then also really putting myself out there to apply for all these different roles that I was trying to trying to just get a job back in my field. And it's exhausting. Let's here's another cover letter. And this is something that you could do with your transferable skill from here. And here's a different one. This is another. I, and I think it just becomes so much in addition to trying to also survive that it, it can easily <laughs> become overwhelming quickly. It really can. And that, that financial pressure is one of the the biggest energy drainers, you know, especially when we've got kids in the next room and we've got a, maybe a sick partner or spouse and we're laying there going, how am I going to make all of this work? Because there's just right. so much budget and there's more bills than budget. Yeah, it is. So Jen, just, you know, kind of off the cuff, what, what are some strategies that you might suggest to somebody to use to sort of you know, Scott Burkhead was talking about like not doing that big scattered approach where you're like applying to a gazillion different jobs, just sort of like doing the odds thing. How can somebody start to be a little bit more strategic and like maybe how they use AI or or how we use just some general searches, let's say on Google to, to be a little more strategic so we're not exhausting all of our energy? Well, so some of the different techniques subscribing to specific job titles. So um, like I said, with the with ONET earlier, some of what our our facilitators and our talent engagement team, it, they go out and find these different job titles that are appropriate to the, the skills that you have and identifying the job titles that you have and then subscribing to those so let's say you go on Indeed and you search that specific job title, subscribing to all the notifications that apply in your area is a great way to sort of like filter down because I know if you just go to Indeed or if you just go to LinkedIn or if you just go to any of those large search engines, it's like you're fishing in a huge sea <laughs> and you can't, you got to try to, so, um, really utilizing those filter tools within those systems. But also, once you find that job title that you have, utilizing the pieces from that ONET research that you did that have the transferable skills all lined out, and then incorporating that into using what you're submitting for, for your resume as well. So um, one thing that our team always looks at is not just that ONET, but also their individual's resume or they talk through and, in, in, you know, an interview with them sort of to like gauge what their experiences are. Cause not everybody has experiences in the same way. So they might not even have a resume. Um, and that might be true for um, some individuals that uh, are from other countries. Their, their job titles may not be transferable to what we might call them in the United States. So again, it's like go back out to ONET and find something that's similar. But when you take that kind of information and then you add it to your resume using those specific keywords, have AI help you give me the top 10 keywords for this particular skill and you know, you've put all those details in and you're asking it to pull out those keywords for you. It's making it, it's a stronger way to combat those ATS systems. 
because those ATS systems are are truly searching for all the words that are within your within their job description to see if they match the words in your resume. And the more matches that they find, the more likely you are to get an interview. Man, all all the tips right there. So, you know, as you were talking, I was also kind of like thinking through it because, you know, there's like a set of traditional job titles, but then we see companies that try and get kind of creative with the job titles, right? I'm wondering if we could use ChatGPT to say, like to, to sort of prompt engineer something that would say, these are my skills, these are my past job titles and what the job entailed. What are, give me a list of the top 10 current job titles for this. I wonder if that would help. Um, so I guess that's probably possible. I wouldn't use it the same way. I wouldn't inquire for one thing you have to sort of stay away from with some of the AI technologies is asking it to solve your problem for you. You want to utilize it um, to prompt it to do something for you based on the information that you you pull out. So one thing that I've noticed, and this is this is sort of an education because I also teach online is one great way that you can see if a student has cheated is that they haven't they haven't read what they got back <laughs> and it doesn't make sense so you can go out to chat gpt and you can say tell me about communication and probably nine times out of ten it's going to give you a good definition for communication but then that one in that one time it might tell you that you know communication is only found in europe it can give you a really like goofy answer. So like the best way to utilize the tool for, for job searching is to take that information that you have on ONET, that official, like once you've found what your role fits in, those skills, and then put it in a, put it in chat GPT and say, these are my skills. I definitely have these skills. Put this in a cover letter for me, like g directing it. So you're basically um, pulling the information that you know to be true, giving it to ChatGPT, and then prompting it to what you want it to do with that information. If you're asking it for information, I will say accuracy is hit or miss, because while it does have kind of an intelligent prompt it can also it can also tell you some really unrealistic things so one way um i guess this kind of goes into education a little bit i know we were going to talk about that but one way i can tell if a student has used chat gpt is on their reference page and if i pull up the reference and it's not a reference it doesn't go anywhere it never existed chat gpt will will tell you that so it will, if you say, write me a five paragraph paper on the topic of communication and include a reference page, it will give you that information, but likely none of those references are real. Like it just, it comes up with whatever's been input out there and gives it that, it gives you that information. So that's one way that you can tell almost like right away is by checking those references, um, which is why I sort of lean into, we need to utilize this technology as a tool, but not as a answer. Like it's not gonna solve some of those 
complex critical thinking issues. And that really comes out, especially in education, when you're reviewing student papers and you're like, that doesn't make sense. It's because it doesn't have the ability to make it make sense, especially complex things that humans can process. Um, though I think it can, <laughs> it's, it's really about that prompting. Oh, absolutely. The prompt engineering, it, it, it is a very specific skill that is honed and refined. So, you know, yes. I, I love the gold nugget that we just got from you. And, and it's that, you know, AI is not there to be this complex problem solver at the moment. Right now, it can take what you have and can apply the concrete things in a structure. So when we're talking about how we can use AI and, and chat GPT so that we're not using it to try and solve these problems, but to say, okay, this is the job that I'm looking at. This is my resume. You know, how can I best apply this? I mean, what are some of the biggest mistakes maybe that people make with this? I guess it's probably a really good question. What do you I would say just that? taking the answers and, and, putting it in a word doc that would be number one biggest mistake like actually read every word yeah you have to read it like you can yeah. copy and paste it and put it in a word document but you have to go through and you have to review exactly what it says because sometimes what it says it doesn't make logical sense or it says it, it fluffs something in a way that you wouldn't it, it almost makes it incorrect like you're lying and that's not what you did you know what I mean? So I, I'm yes. not a specific example. I can't, I'm trying to think of a specific example, yeah. but I'm kind of drawing on none because no, I don't no, it's it late like the afternoon for us. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So I, I think that is probably the number one best tip that we could get is if you're using AI, if you're using chat GPT to help you write a cover letter and you're giving it the information, you also need to read through it be intentional to make sure that you're not getting back something that's taken what was accurate and true when it went in and then it's gotten colored a little bit and fluffed a little bit and now when you read it it feels a little different or it doesn't feel yeah. as accurate or true so really really good tip so i would love to kind of talk about how we can look at the future of ai in our labor industry you know, because you, you pin it around the role of AI in national labor industry projects, so to speak. But how do you envision AI shaping the future of these industries and the impact that it could have on the workforce and the job opportunities that that are coming up because of this? So um, in Pennsylvania, we have a, a system that uh, they utilize to post jobs in. And in that future... Futurist uh, feel, it would be very similar to that system being able to match all the resumes that go into it. So at, um, at the same time, if someone gets laid off, they're told to register for an account in the system because that's, that's something they've been dislocated. They register for an account to be able to be eligible for unemployment. And during that registration, it usually asks you to upload a resume. The future, the way I would see it, is that, that resume being automatically aligned to any 
position that already exists out there in the system. Are we there? No, nowhere close. <laughs> Not even. Could we please get there faster? Could we There's be so many there? People that need that. <laughs> could we be there? It would be amazing. Um, but I will say that there's conversations about it. So when I went to the PWDA conference this past May, um, there was a presenter down there discussing the opportunities that potentially AI um, has. And I, I tried to find the name before the show and I couldn't locate it. So I, I'm sorry that I wasn't able to pull that. But um, what they were discussing was this this additional layer of matching, matchmaking, essentially. So you would have that person with their resume, and then you'd have that role that, you know, potentially this person would be perfect for, and the system would matchmake it for you. So that's the future. How we get there, I think um, it's going to vary, because one thing that's true about national labor and industry is that every state's a little bit different. And how, you know, North Carolina might do it won't be the same as how Pennsylvania will do it or how California or how Texas. So I think it'll look different everywhere. But the answer to your question is a matchmaking system where it takes that job seeker and that resume job listing puts it all together and goes, these jobs are what most you are most qualified for based on your resume. So that really then goes back to the reliance on how accurate and thorough your resume is. Right. Right I back mean, to that. <laughs> and then oh it my goodness. speaks to, they, they tell you every time that you're applying for a job, you should be, you know, reviewing your resume for that particular job description. And this goes right along to that. So maybe, you know, that future also looks as someone has all the different versions of their resume in the system for the matchmaker to be able to give you the best matches. Yeah. So Jen, I'd love to ask just like personal question here from my side of things. I, when I was younger, I kept my resume updated. Like that was just like a natural thing that I did because my career and what I was doing was growing. So it was always sort of there in pocket and I was always sort of paying attention and, you know, doing a little touch and a check every quarter. And probably over the last decade or so, I haven't done that because I've been pretty consistent in what I've been doing. And I know there's a lot of people out there right now who have been in a particular role for a really long time. They've maybe been with the same company for several years and they haven't updated their resume. And right now, maybe they've been part of these layoffs. Maybe they've been part of the quiet cutting that's been happening. That's, you know, really starting to come to light right now in the last year. What are some suggestions on how we could use AI or chat GPT to sort of help us because you can't remember everything. And I know I got to have like questions. I got to have somebody say, okay, and they can ask me this question. Then I'll go, oh yeah, this, this, this. How maybe could we update a resume that we maybe haven't visited in a while and we kind of need to do that today? Well, so again, the key is that own it. Own it actually keeps a re updated repertoire of job like titles but also the, the description itself. So you'll search a title and then underneath it will list, you know, the skills and that you needed to be able to do that title. And you can sort of check mark the boxes as to this applies, but this didn't. 
I would say start there for someone that hasn't, you know, looked and then going from that, taking that, those checked boxes, putting it into chat and saying, make me a resume that lists these different skills and it gives you some you know, better prompts, because you don't want exactly what ONET has given you. You want it to be very specific to what you have done. So, you know, giving it stuff to put together and then it'll articulate it better for you is, is the way to go. I love that because, you know, my good buddy, Allie and I, we, we coach together and we do a lot of corporate training for neurodiverse communication within teams. And, you know, she and I are always talking about the fact that, you know, the, our ADHD side of our brains, we need sort of the structure and the outline, then we can take it and run with it and fill it in. But sometimes I, it's just like the blank page staring at you. It's so tough. Especially when you feel like there's so much weight on your shoulders to not get it right, because it's about your livelihood, right? Yes. And so it can really yeah. be so heavy. And, and feel even harder, I think, sometimes in those situations. So, Jennifer, we have a pretty big community of, of educators here in Mind Your Autistic Brain, and from early educators in special education all the way up to higher education, you know, professors. And we love to talk about how does AI show up in education? And, you know, you have just got, this is like your real health, my friend. And we're seeing AI applications in so many fields and especially in education. Can you kind of delve into how AI, particularly in adaptive learning and sort of talk about what adaptive learning is, is shaping the future of education and what potential benefits or challenges this might be presenting as we go forward? So I think a good way to sort of like explain this is to use like video game terminology because it, I think it's easier to visualize. So the direction that I see it sort of going in is this ad adapted learning is very much like if you're in a video game and you decide to go left, what happens after that? If you're in a video game and you decide to go through the door over there, what happens after that? The game adapts to what you're doing. So this is what that, that's where the example transferably was, um, is when we start learning, having different prompts, ask us different things. So we dive in deeper. And so it might ask you a question about your understanding and you give a certain response to that question. And it realizes that while you're sort of correct, you didn't mention this piece. And so then it prompts you another question that helps you go into that piece more and it'll assess again, it'll adapt to your answer and then say, mm, let's, let's look at this a little bit more because you don't, you don't seem to understand what we're talking about. That's, that's the direction of adapted learning. That's where, where I foresee that we're going to go. Um, for a few reasons. I mean, I would say the first reason is if you look at, you know, the youth population, how many of them are playing games or on apps, on devices, learning, even, even families that are like, we don't, we don't want any tech in our house. I bet that they have a leap pad learning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's, 
there's and it's we had a leap pad at my house (laughs) even if you you aren't someone that says my my child doesn't have an ipad i'm not okay with that there's a there is a whole group of people that have had other tools that are comparable so um all these kids that are doing these apps, these learning apps, especially in elementary education, it's huge. I know like my, my youngest daughter's in second grade and she has a math app that she goes through and she does those skills on the math app. And so they're learning to, they're learning in this way. So I see the future being more like this, leaning into it more, but also incorporating that adaptive piece because we need that adaptive piece for engagement. So if you think about meeting students where they are, you need that adaptive piece to keep the people engaged because we've, we've got, you know, a ton of young kids coming up that have had tablets in their hands since they were babies and could you know, do what they needed to walk, you know, play a game or, you know, watch a little video. They could, they could use those. So how are we going to get those kids engaged in higher education? Well, and I love it. I love how this really and truly, if we're thinking, and you're like, why in the heck, Carol Jean, are we talking about this while we're trying to figure out how to use AI for a job search? Because if we can also understand that Adaptive technology. So I recently attended the NBC Universal Academy Summit. And one of the things that they had this incredible panel on was about sort of the gamification and the adaptive technologies that are coming into mass media. They're currently using the beautiful gamification type elements already there, right? So we see these already showing up in our education system. We know that the next generation of our workforce, this is how they're thinking. This is how they are learning. And think about this for a second. As ADHD, autistic, nerds, distinct humans, adaptive technologies actually is removing a lot of learning and processing barriers for us. I want to see this transfer because, you know, we know sometimes it's the first place, sometimes it's the last place, but we have it in education and we are seeing it in, in some big tech things right now. How do we start seeing this show up in how we're working, how we're managing people? Because then we're talking about engagement and retention. Think about the things with adaptive technology that we can use. And, you know, what are the things that we can use now as we're going through this job search, you know, what are the things that we're bringing to the table? Because a lot of folks that that may also be in a place right now where they have been laid off or they're not employed and they're looking for a job. A lot of times the first question is, where do I up level? Where do I upskill? Right. And this is also mm-hmm. part of sort of what we're seeing as one of these really great outpourings when we all had to go online for education. And so Mm -hmm. it's more accessible now in so many ways. And, you know, so, you know, how do we start to to sort of tie all this together? And I think it is important. It is a part of the conversation that I think we all need to be thinking about. And I love that you bring it to the table. Yes. So um, one other piece that I think is sort of like even more to add to that box a little bit with adaptive technologies is if you... um, if you take a step back and you look at um, medical in the medical industry, right? A lot of times doctors, when they're assessing an issue, they're taking all the symptoms that you've 
outlined. I have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. And they're, they're trying to go through their system and what, what would be the best? Well, that's another place where AI can help. If there's all these diagnostics and all this, all this data that's already been inputted, and you're outlining, you know, the, the, the different things that you have, it's going to be able to make those connections faster than what, you know, the, your mind would, because it's going to remember all the different things that you've seen, like an archived history where you might not be able to pull that, that little detail. Oh, I saw a patient like this 10 years ago, but with that. So, I mean, that is a, another layer to it. But in addition to that, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity that comes with that. If Once you start inputting all the data in and you start, you know, organizing the data, you can right up there with you were you were mentioning kind of like psychology a little bit because psychology, it's a bunch of different behavioral traits that are just like medical diagnosis. So if you get a person that comes in and says, these are the things that I'm experiencing, and this is, it might be able to faster diagnose. And, and so, I mean, like the potential is honestly, it's, there's so much <laughs> to unfold and unravel. There is. And it's, and it, it, that's so exciting that we're in this place where we can do that. And I do want to wrap up as we tie into sort of what are some neurodistinct job interview tips? You know, was, I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, I don't know that anybody tells us this. I kind of had to figure it out for myself. So here's a little insight, guys. Don't open a new chat GPT chat when you open one up and you put your resume in and you're changing and adapting, keep going back to that yes. same one for that particular job title. So you may have like three different job titles that you're searching. Keep everything in those separated. That's actually the best way chats. to organize it is to, you can edit the titles and rename them by editing the titles. You can put in the title of the jobs and keep going through the data and it saves it for you. So that was, that's a great tip. I didn't, I didn't mention it, but thank you for mentioning it because that's definitely well, I, important. I don't ever think about it either. And until I kind of figured it out, I'm like, Oh, I can't reference stuff and I'm having to copy and bring it back in. But if I just keep it all in the same thing and it'll go on for weeks, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't care. But I actually was getting more, um, accuracy as it was learning more about what I liked. And then if, when I'm, okay, here's another tip. When I make edits or I change how something's worded, I'll go put it, I'll copy it, put it in another document. Then I'll put my own voice in it. I'll add in some of those things that are uniquely me. I copy it and I put it back in chat GPT and go, this is my revision of what you presented. This is more of what I'm looking for going mm -hmm. forward. So you, yeah, that's great. Way adapting. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> But, but the biggest thing I would say, the biggest takeaway with, you know, those with chat in general is that you remember that everything you tell it, it will remember it. So keeping that and following that same chat is really beneficial. Like I, I made the mistake when I first started using it to delete some stuff that I was working on. And I wish that I wouldn't have done that because 
what you were talking about, putting it in a Word document and then putting it back in, it can make the refining of it so much better because it learns how you've refined it. And then you're saying, okay, you saw what changes I made. Can you, you're giving it those prompts again that are specific and, and, and it brings it with you and you're not recreating the wheel. Yeah. So. so there's just another little insight that Jen and I would like to share with you so that you, you aren't expending energy needlessly and doing those things over and over again. So as we aim to make job interviews more inclusive, I know you have some insights on neurodivergent employer interview tips says, you know, we're talking about both sides of the table here for a sec. So what advice can you offer to our job seekers who are preparing for interviews in an AI augmented job market? Because, wow, you know, interviewers are using AI to go in on LinkedIn and our social media and check us out ahead of time. And, you know, some I know copy stuff and put it in there and go, okay, this is this person's resume. What questions should I ask them? And then they're getting their interview questions from chat GPT. So, so you can use chat the same way. You can use chat the same way. You can also put in the job description of the job you've applied for and ask it to give you potential interview questions and then, you know, troubleshoot it from there. You could also go out and if you're trying to, maybe you're targeting a particular organization, you want to work there, you can, you know, put in things about their mission statement and or whatever else they have readily available on their website. And you can ask it to say, what, what's the most, you put that information in, you say, what's the most important thing I need to know about this company based on this information? And then you're also prepared for some of those questions like, why do you want to work here? You have an answer for it. So you can use chat in the same way that that employers are too, to be better prepared. I will say this, when it comes to employer interview tips, I am, I try to be really transparent about making sure that whatever question they ask, I ask them to put it in writing as well. Um, and that's something that you just have to remember to try to say beforehand. Um, when I did an interview last year, one of the most inclusive interview spaces that I that I was in was they had the questions, they were available. Um, everybody in that room had the questions, but then they also had them next to where the candidate was sitting. And that's something that isn't always done. I've said in other interviews um, with for other things where they ask you these questions and then you have to ask them what the question was again, because you started answering the question and then you're like, well, I need to kind of like go back. What, what can you repeat the question? And that's always very difficult for people um, like us um, on the spectrum, because then you're thrown off. You you're taken out of that, that story that you were telling and you're like, wait, I know it linked to that question. Where was I going with it? So AI could be helpful in that way where you pull that type of information off their website out of the job description, ask it to help prepare you. What kind of questions oh, I would I that. get for this role? Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I hear a lot of recruiters um, and, and hiring managers talk about is when they have a candidate that they're interviewing and at the end of the interview, they close with, do you have any questions for me? And they said, it usually makes us think a little bit when we have a candidate who doesn't ask us any questions. 
And I know for a lot of us, the cognitive load of that whole process, I'm tired. My brain is exhausted. You mm -hmm. ask me that. And I, if I haven't really had the time to think about it ahead of time, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't have any questions. You've just fried my brain because I just answered all of these for like the last 45 minutes. <laughs> so what's maybe a way that we could... What do we need answer to that at? question? How do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> so I would recommend, honestly, when when whenever an employer asks about that end question, what do you have questions? I would say, can you tell me a little bit about the culture of the work environment here? I I always try to ask questions that get you information that will tell you what it's like to work there. So, and, and, and a lot of times those questions aren't, you know, what's the job like or what's the salary? That's, that's not helpful. It's, I've asked questions like, what does the typical day look like in this role? You know, those are the types of questions that you're, you're asking for an open answer and not closed questions like salary questions or some of those that there's only really one answer to it, even though those are relevant questions and you can't ask those questions. Um, if you're really trying to gain the most out of those, those interviews, you know, you, the, when they ask you, if you have questions, tell me about what, what it's like to work here. What's the environment like? What's the culture like? What do you like the most about working here? Because those are the questions that'll get you answers that you can, kind of take back and go because one thing I like to try to remind um, employers that we work with is that the interview is supposed to be an interview for both. And yes. you're trying to see if you're the right fit for that employer too. So you got to remember to try to ask questions that are about you, what make you feel comfortable. And, you know, that may look different for any one of us. I, I don't know what all those questions are, but what usually helps me is to ask about like, what's the company culture like? Because then it, it gives you an insight on, well, we're sometimes they'll be like, we, we believe in recognition. And you're like, oh, can you tell me about your recognition program? Like you can, you can kind of go down more questions once you start with those. Oh, that I love that question. And I love the other one that you had in there is like, what is the typical day in this role look like? That that mm -hmm. is such a great question. So guys, you just got two really good questions <laughs> that you can use at the end of any interview when someone says, hey, do you have any questions for me? And here's another little tip that I love to share. And this is courtesy of my wonderful friend, Shezzy Kennedy. Guys, when you are interviewing someone, ask one question at a time. Do not stack questions, especially when you're talking to people that most likely might also be neurodivergent. So those things are harder. It's really hard. And I tend to, my brain goes so fast. So sometimes I will stack questions and I have to remind myself, whoa, hang on, break it down one question at a time. And I think that's also a good thing to just in our relationships and our communication with our friends and our partners and our loved ones and those that we work with, how can we make communication less stressful and more clear and concise for everyone? One question at a time, folks. 
Jen, as we're I wrapping agree. up, do you have any um, other tips, thoughts, or ideas or anything that you would love to share with our audience? If somebody's out there and they're in the job process right now and they're really feeling stressed, they're feeling burned out, they feel like they're juggling a million different job applications, what are some tips that you might have? I would just, you know, one thing that I think everyone's sort of, when you're in a place of, I need a new job, sometimes your, your gut response is, if I put myself out there as much as I can, it's going to like, I'm going to get, um, I'll get something. That's not always the best approach. It's really trying to find what you're looking for and approach those specific things. And, and AI can help with that type of thing. If you have all these skills and you've outlined them from ONET, like I talked about, and you're like, wow, okay, I have this and this, then you're at least looking for two jobs and you're not looking for all the things that you might be qualified in doing. You're focused. So really, you know, when you're focused and you're not applying for all the jobs, you're going to have better results if you're applying for what you really want, because then you're also putting in the right amount of time on those things too. Oh my goodness. Such, such great insight there. Jennifer Williams, you have been a phenomenal guest. You have given us great tips and insights on this job search process and also just the amazing technology that is AI and, and how we're going to start seeing this come into more and more of the world that we live in and how the adaptive technology is actually making life so much more accessible in so many mm -hmm. ways for so many of us. Thanks for being here today, Jennifer. Guys, as we're signing off today, always remember that you are worthy. I hope you feel energized and empowered to take on the challenges ahead of you today. Remember, you're not alone in this journey. Let's stay connected. Follow me on social media. Media. Be sure you check out the link in the show notes below. Go check out Jennifer Williams on LinkedIn and connect with her. Join our thriving community here at Mind Your Autistic Brain and subscribe to the podcast for more transformative episodes every week on Tuesday and our special episodes on Fridays. Together, we'll continue to break free from burnout and unlock our authentic selves. Until next time, this is Carol Jean Whittington signing off. Keep thriving.